0: Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. I'm Isaac, your host, and with me today is Britt. Hey, guys. Uh, We have an awesome podcast out of us today. Um... Part of what we do at In Doubt, which our listeners would know, is that we just kind of look at the present young adult culture, uh, and then we sort of help Christians navigate their faith and works within that culture. Um, So in doing this, obviously, you can't really get too far without hitting the subject of alcohol. And that's what this podcast is all about. We're talking about alcohol, the consumption of alcohol uh, in the Christian life. So I'm going to be chatting with Christian blogger, author, and speaker Tim Challies about gaining a more biblical and balanced view. Um, Alcohol, obviously, is not this new thing, you know, but in many urban areas today, I find that, you know, more and more breweries are just opening up and it's just sort of become this trend. And many, I don't know, young adults are sort of, uh, you know, it's sort of a hobby now to go and try out different craft breweries everything like that you just hear about that a lot uh in churches and and just in the christian life um but i guess the main sort of issue whether you don't drink or you do drink is that just many young adult christians just aren't really biblically or critically thinking about alcohol what the bible has to say about alcohol they're not praying really about it before they go into it so they're just sort of engaging it blindly but anyways let's listen to the conversation with Tim and then we'll come back to discuss more Well, it's a privilege to be talking with uh, Tim Challies this week on the podcast. Tim is a blogger. He's author, pastor, uh, book reviewer, many different things uh, from Ontario. So he's a fellow Canadian. Uh, Thanks, Tim, for coming on the show.
1: It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, I first came across com, which you know for our listeners is his blog, back in January of this year. So I'm relatively a newcomer. Um, I started to subscribe to his daily blogs, which are really, I kind of see them as these sort of goodie bags of kind of relevant articles, videos, quotes, things like that. They're a little a la carte things. And I found those extremely helpful and enjoyable. So thank you so much for doing that. Uh, how, how, how do you, just for our listeners to know, how do you sort of... Uh, do you just subscribe to many different blogs and just sort of pick the ones that you like the most?
1: Or how does that work? Yeah, I pretty much subscribe to a bunch of different websites, a bunch of different blogs, and I I graze a lot, take a little from here, a little from there. I tend to right. gather a bunch of articles over the course of the day and then go back in the evening, read through them all carefully, see which ones I want to uh, tell others about. So that's the yeah. way I've been doing it for years and years now.
0: That's awesome. Um, I find that when I go through them, I don't know, probably about 60% of the quotes are uh, Carson quotes. Can I, um, is that right <laughs> to say that he's one of your favorites or?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I get the quotes every day. I, I put a quote on there every day and I get them. Actually, I'd say 60% are Charles Spurgeon. And then oh, okay. there's a good chunk from D.A. Carson. And that's partly okay. because I follow uh, somebody on Twitter who all he does is put out D.A. Carson quotes. And there's so many good, oh, meaty fun. ones there that I tend to take those as well. But uh, Charles Spurgeon was definitely the king of Twitter long before Twitter existed. He had an amazing way of so distilling truth into short, pithy statements.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Well, for those who have never heard of you before or don't know much about you, yeah. well, why don't you just share just a, sort of a brief summary of who you are and, and what you do? Sure.
1: So again, the name is Tim Challies. I am married to Aileen. We've been married for 18 years now after meeting in high school and getting married as soon as we finished college. We've got three children who are 16, 13, and 10 years old, and they're about oh, to start into <laughs> new school years, of course. Um, I've been blogging, writing now for about, oh, I guess it's a little over 12 or 13 years now, and uh, I've been doing that at com. and it went from uh, something I just did for my family to something of a hobby, and now it's what I do for a living. So it's it's come a long way since I began.
0: Cool. That's awesome. We're taking a week to look at the Christian and alcohol, and the and the reason we're even bringing this topic up is really based on three things. One, the Bible obviously addresses talks about alcohol, talks about drunkenness, mm-hmm. so we just want to know what the Bible says. Uh, two, at least in the more urban areas, and you could let me know about Ontario, but local breweries are sort of popping up like coffee shops these days, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you you could almost say local breweries are sort of, you know the trend right now, yeah. Um, and, you know, many people who call themselves Christians haven't really, I found, biblically or critically even just thought about it. Uh, they just sort of, it just happened and they're in it. Um, and then the last reason, I, I find there's a confusion. Uh, it's either a conscious one or unconscious on how Christians ought to drink and how they ought to just view drinking alcohol in general. Um, so that's why we're digging into this today. And and I came across an article that you wrote on alcohol and Christians uh, a few years ago now. Mm-hmm. I just found it really well-balanced and it was biblical. And uh, that's why I'm excited to chat with you about this. Good. So uh, let's just jump straight in. Sure. Uh, first of all, what does the Bible say about alcohol? Which is a really big question. Yeah.
1: Well, the Bible has a lot to say about alcohol. It's, a, it's one of the things you see as you as you read through. Sometimes it speaks about it just by the by. So we hear about Noah getting drunk, and there right. isn't uh, th- th- that's not prescriptive. Passage. It doesn't tell us anything about how we should behave or not behave. It simply describes his experience mm-hmm. with alcohol. But then there's other parts of the Bible that are very clear when it comes to alcohol. And I'd say generally we can discern three things as we look at the Bible. We can see that alcohol is created by God. It falls under the all things that God has made, right? There was nothing. Now there's everything. So in some level then, alcohol was created by God. It wasn't a surprise to him that humans did this. Uh, secondly, right. I'd say, at least on some level, alcohol is a gift, and we see that medicinally, right? That uh, right. It, it's been used to save many lives. It's been used in some in some great ways. Um, but also, I'd say it's a gift uh, biblically in the way it The Bible says it cheers the heart, right? So there's a kind of Mm. joy in alcohol, just as there's joy in coffee and chocolate. It does something in our brains. It it triggers pleasure that isn't necessarily, I don't think, at least according to the Bible, isn't necessarily wrong. But then the third thing is that alcohol can be abused. So alcohol, like all of God's good gifts, is exactly the kind of thing we can take too far and instead of dealing with it with with moderation and care, instead we can outright abuse it. So that's similar to right. to sex or money or food, all of these things. They're good gifts that we can abuse. So I'd see uh, alcohol very much in that that stream as well. So created by God, a gift of God, and yet something that we as human beings can terribly abuse
0: exactly. I actually remember listening to a uh, an ask Pastor John podcast with piper and and he said that, you know, it's the same thing as drinking water. Uh, it can be a sin if you do it too much. So sure, <laughs> that right. pretty much speaks into the exact same thing there. Um, that's that's awesome. That's very uh, that's very helpful, Tim. Um, in First Corinthians eight and uh, in Romans fourteen, Paul talks about this idea of not letting your freedom in whatever action or belief it may be become a stumbling block towards others. And I feel like it's one of those uh, kind of passages in the Bible that a lot of people throw around, maybe not with uh, thinking about it much or not really knowing the exact context, um, so, you know, what does this sort of passage look like? So what does this not causing your brother to stumble look like in regards to uh, drinking alcohol? Yeah.
1: Well, the, the, the gospel gives us tons of freedom, right? We've, we've become Christians. We've been adopted into God's family. The gospel has done that amazing work in us. And now the gospel gives us a great freedom. Now, the freedom the gospel gives us is the freedom to not indulge. In these things. Right. And so, even if I am convinced that alcohol is fine, even if I'm convinced that I can give thanks to God as I sip my beer, the freedom of the gospel is the freedom to say, if that offends my brother, then by no means will I prove a stumbling block to him. Mm-hmm. By no means will I offend him. And so, I've got total freedom to put the alcohol aside in his presence and say, I will not do this out of love for you, out of care for you. Uh, just recently, right. I was, I was, um, reading a christian couple uh, about their their marriage and they came into marriage with differing views and the husband said If it's a problem to you, if this is something you're convinced that alcohol is wrong, I will never have another drink in my life. That is my way of honoring you, my wife, and living in an understanding way with you. And he did that. He did that joyfully and willingly. And that's the attitude all of us ought to have. So if you and I are together and you are offended by alcohol, I do not have the freedom then to drink in front of you, lest I, I offend you.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. And I think you're already speaking into a little bit, but one of the groups I find sort of confused are those who, let's say, are a little bit more legalistic towards alcohol. And um, I find that it's easy for this group to maybe look down on Christians uh, who do drink. And even if they're drinking completely in a godly way, uh, they sort of feel more righteous and godly because they don't drink. Um, And I guess the question for those, because I think there is a a large majority that feel this way. What would you say, Tim, to those that need to work towards a healthier, more biblical understanding uh, of this?
1: Well, first, I say that nobody actually thinks they're legalistic, right? There's nobody out there who says, yeah, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a legalist. <laughs> and so everybody yeah. thinks that their view is right. And then they look at other people as either legalistic or licentious, right? Either you are right. bound by law and you will not drink or you're you're licentious. You're, you're going off the rails there and you are drinking. So you're not going to find someone who says, yeah, I'm, I'm legalist and, and you're, you're not. So... Um, each of us needs to look very, very carefully then, and we need to probe God's word to see if we're if we are making a law where there is no law. We need to be very, very careful yeah. to understand what the Bible does say, what it doesn't say, what it says clearly, and, and then what it says descriptively versus prescriptively, and I think this is where it right. often goes wrong. Does the Bible really tell us that alcohol is wrong? Or does it simply time and again show us the the, co- the effect or the problem with overindulging in it? And mm-hmm. I'm very much convinced that, again, the Bible says you can drink, but, whoa, you better be careful. Just like right. you can have sex and you can eat chocolate, but you've got to be very, very careful because all of these things, are, you're prone to take God's gift and become yeah. enslaved to it.
0: Exactly. You pervert it, distort it, all those different things.
1: Yeah. Um, I I want to throw something else in here. Um, Sure, definitely. I'd say people need to heed conscience. And so as we look to the Bible, as we come to a conclusion, in a, in a matter like this, which is a disputable matter, very good mm-hmm. godly Christians come to very different conclusions here. That's very true. Then you need to search God's word, and then you need to heed your conscience. So if you really are convinced that alcohol is wrong, that it's unbiblical, ungodly to drink it, then by all means, heed your conscience, even if Even if God doesn't say that, if that is your conscience, then you need to heed that and you need to obey your conscience. It would be a sin, therefore, to violate your conscience. And for me, if I do have freedom, it would be wrong for me to badger you. It would be wrong for me to give you alcohol and say, ah, just drink it. I should not cause you to violate your conscience. Right. So we end up in this very interesting place as Christians where we're called personally to heed conscience and then again to act in love toward one another to make sure I'm not afflicting anyone else's conscience. Love always rules in these ways.
0: That's that's So if I'm if I if my if I've looked into the Bible and I've come to the conscious decision that I I'm not going to drink because it's wrong, this is my belief. Uh, the loving thing for me to do is when I go out with my family or friends and they you know, are drinking beer, uh, my love would be not to push my own kind of conscious beliefs on them and just allow it to go on.
1: Right. I would think so. Yeah. Um, it- If you can abide with it and just say, no, I don't drink, then by all means, let them drink. And hopefully they're not flaunting it, right? And I think one way this has gone really wrong in the last maybe 10 years of Christian history, especially with young people, is they're flaunting Mm. their freedom, especially before that older generation. So I'd say in general, the older generation of Christians, particularly I'd say American evangelicals, um are very very bound by this this view that scripture or that alcohol is wrong younger people feel far more freedom and the problem comes when those older people are now judging the younger people and trying exactly. to squelch them and then the younger people are saying well you know what i'm going to drink in front of you just to show you the freedom i have it's not right. freedom at all you're not free if you're rubbing it in someone else's face you're now bound by yeah. sin
0: yeah that's so good um, on, on the other side, if just briefly speak to those maybe that uh, are t- tend to be overindulgent or just maybe, I, I think there's a lot of people that just have an over interest in alcohol. Sure. Again, I don't know what it's like in Ontario, but over here in BC, I mean, there's a lot of young Christians or they, you know, they call themselves Christians. And it's just, it just seems to be the uh, subject of conversation, topic of uh, conversation in, at every gathering.
1: Yeah. Well, I I do think there can be this obsession where alcohol is cool, and as Christians, maybe we feel like we don't get to do the cool stuff, but now I've learned that alcohol is okay, and so I'm going to talk about it a lot. I'm going to flaunt it before other people. And then there's the problem, of course, of enjoying it too much, or at least partaking of it too much and getting drunk, which the Bible so clearly forbids. And uh, you just have to read the news to see the consequences of drunkenness in a hundred different ways. You just have to read the Bible to see the consequences of drunkenness in a hundred different ways. So when you're driven to drunkenness, I think it's so important to ask, what is it I'm looking for there in the bottle? Because nobody really wants to be drunk. Nobody really likes being drunk. They don't like the after effects of it. Drunkenness is simply bringing them to a state that they want. It's giving them something. It makes them feel popular. It makes them feel mm. funny. It makes them feel good. Somehow it is just feeding some other idol in their life. And so alcohol itself yeah. isn't the idol. There's something else that alcohol does to that person. That's what they need to go after. That's the root of the sin. If they can get rid of that sin, the sin of drunkenness will fall by the wayside as well. So, so don't yeah, think that alcohol right. itself is the sin. I mean, it is a sin, but it's not the root sin. It's just showing right. you there's something else going on in your heart.
0: No, that's really good. Uh, when we look at the Bible, we see Christians, God fears, you know, engaging with alcohol. Even Jesus himself was engaging with it. Um, at the same time, we see Paul, others obviously speaking against the drunkenness, like he's your saying of the day. So, when you look at that biblically, what areas today do you think alcohol consumption is appropriate, looking at it biblically and also culturally of our day? As yeah,
1: well? well, so much depends on context, right? So I was at yeah. a Presbyterian church out on the West Coast a couple of weeks ago, and they served the Lord's Supper, and they said the outer ring of little cups is grape juice, the inner ring is wine. And so, right, right there in in a sacred Lord's supper service in church, they were serving alcohol, and I was absolutely fine with it. Um, right. I travel a fair bit and have been to the U.K. and to Australia and to other places like that. And you'll see youth groups or at least young adult groups going to the pub together. Uh, they'll go there right. for their meetings, and so contextually or culturally, that is their Starbucks. That is their version of the place you go just to, right. to hang out. And so, so much depends on context. North America tends to have a different view on alcohol than mm-hmm. outside North America. This is where prohibition was, at least in, in the States. And this is where there still is a, a lot of people who are very opposed to it. So uh, yeah. I think alcohol, consumption of alcohol is appropriate in the home. It's appropriate in the pub if you're going to go there. But it's always always in moderation, right? If right. Christians never got drunk, we wouldn't have to have this discussion. If Christians could could simply have one and walk away, right? It's exactly. drunkenness that ruins alcohol for everyone.
0: Right, exactly. And, and lastly, uh, Paul in Galatians six one he he says, you know, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Now, it's not uncommon uh, in Christian circles, um, especially among the younger generation. As you were saying, it's just kind of different in North America here. It's not uncommon uh, to see a Christian, uh, see another Christian overindulgent in their consumption of alcohol. Um, does this verse apply to that situation? And if, if it does, how does that sort of work out in a very practical way?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. It does apply. And I'd say, especially in the context of the local church and part of the confusion that can happen on the college campus or places like that is that people tend to become a little bit disconnected from their churches, or at least from their usual churches and college groups and other things tend to take over. And that can be dangerous because now you're outside of the usual clear patterns of authority and care right? So somebody who's Mm. caught in drunkenness, presumably, uh, people in the church should come alongside that person and help identify that and help to restore them. And if not, if that person keeps going into drunkenness, if that person re refuses to um, correct that, then that person would be put under the discipline of the church and eventually disciplined right out of the church as a sign that this right. drunkenness proves that you're not actually a Christian because Christians, exactly. they don't get drunk with wine. Now, that can be tricky right. in a college context simply because a lot of that support structure is gone. People may not be in the same local church. But the, the exactly. principle is that we need other Christians in our lives for all of our sin. We need to be identif- we need to be confessing sin to one another so our friends can help us, they can pray for us, they can guide us, they can lead us to scripture, they can they can come alongside us. We are Christians in community and we all bear this responsibility to, to help each other overcome sin. And then once you've done that to someone, if you're walking alongside someone who's been struggling with alcohol, then help that person, hold that person accountable. Don't be shocked if that person has several backslides into alcohol right. before they climb back out of it. But then don't be afraid as well to, to become involved in initiating some kind of church discipline. That, that's God's means mm. of grace to help people who are mired deep in sin. He gives us this as a means to to, draw, to, um, to show who's really a believer, who really wants to follow the Lord and who is not. And then we need to go back to sharing the gospel with that person, back to helping that person see their desperate need of a Savior.
0: Yeah, and just hearing you say that, like my... I'm like, yes, I'm in total agreement, but obviously, you know, that living in our Canadian culture, very kind of culturally tolerant, you know, don't want to offend anybody. And that's seeped into the church, uh, in a lot of churches. And I'm just hearing you say that I'm like, man, to see that work out in like, let's say a, a local church in Vancouver or whatever, it would be really, it'd be very radical. Right. Um, and maybe that's just what we need. We just right. need that.
1: Right. And before you can have really solid church discipline, you need to have meaningful membership in your church, right? So you need to have people who are in and people who are out people who have formally identified themselves with this church body, because until you're in, you can't be put out, right? And so the joy or part of the joy of church membership is identifying yourself with a group of people and saying, if I'm ever in sin, you need to throw me out of this group. So first, Mm -hmm. I don't pollute the, the purity of this church, but also so that it becomes very, very clear to me that my soul is in peril. That's part of why we associate with local church.
0: That's awesome. Uh, did you have any other last kind of thoughts before we start to wrap it up? Yeah, just uh, I don't know if you. Yeah,
1: just one, yeah. and it's this: that I think in these areas that are disputable, where very good, godly, Bible-driven, gospel-centered—all the the words you want to use—Christians <laughs> they align very differently on it. I think our responsibility as Christians is to look at both sides very carefully, so you get the absolute best arguments on both sides. Mm. And and so, you know, you not you won't find it very difficult to find to find both. You know, you'll find a D.A. Carson who allows alcohol and says it's a gift of God, but one that must be treated very carefully. You could go to John Piper, who's a little more hesitant to say that it's wrong, but still says, I don't drink and I really don't think you should either, and here's why. Right. Or you could go to a John MacArthur, whom I believe would say, alcohol is wrong, and here's why. I think we owe it to ourselves to really look at issues like this, make sure you're getting good arguments on all sides. Pray about it, go to the scripture, make your decision, and then and then be bold in your decision and uh, trust that God will bless you in it. Um
0: hey Tim, before we before we wrap up, um how can people, if they wanna, you know know about you more and read your stuff and I know you're an author as well yeah. I don't know if you want to share a little bit about where they can find some of your material new books or anything like that
1: sure yeah so they can read my site at challies.com. that's challie dot com I post something new there every day and have done for uh, at least 12 years now I think um Beyond that, I've written a couple of books recently that may be of interest. There's one called Do More Better, which is a book about productivity and I think would be applicable, especially to to young people, young adults. Um, But then also there's one called Visual Theology, which is relatively new. And that's one where we've really tried to take good graphics and combine them with helpful words to make a book that is both a pleasure to read and a pleasure to look at. So I think both of those might be of interest.
0: That's awesome, and I've actually—I think—you've posted a few different kind of theological doctrines uh, online. Mm. And I think I've seen the Trinity, or I think I've seen a few things, and it's—it's it's actually incredible. Yeah, so, yeah, I love that. Good, good. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much, Tim, for uh, coming on the show today, and uh, yeah, thank you so much. No, you're very welcome. That was my conversation with Tim Challies. Um I I grew up in a uh, a home that, like, alcohol was was there, you know. But my parents were always in the church and serving in the church and everything like that. So I kind of grew up with this idea that, you know, alcohol was normal to have kind of in the house. But what happened was because. I never took time to really look at what the Bible has to say, talk to other people about it. And I didn't even talk to my parents about it that much because I didn't critically think about it. When I reached 19, even though I was in the church and still doing things, I just engaged it without really thinking. And what that led me to, and I understand that this doesn't happen to everybody, but what it led me to personally was to abuse it. And I saw it wrongly used in my life to a point where I've decided for at least a season now to abstain from it because I knew that it was more proper for who I am and for who I am to not engage it at this time. And it's a disputable thing. I'm not saying that, you know, drinking is not a sin, obviously. Drunkenness is a sin. But when you see it abused in your life, then it's good not to do that. And that's what I've experienced Mm -hmm. personally. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it is, it's a hard one to talk about because it's kind of a, Gray area in a church, right? Maybe that's not the best word to use, yeah. but it's it's disputable, yeah. And uh, yeah, and a lot of Christians have very strong views on on what's right and what's wrong. And I think one of the important things that Tim talked about was just how we have to be sensitive to our own personal convictions on it. Exactly, yeah. And uh, I think that's the key because as soon as we, whether we're abstaining or participating, as soon as we are imposing our stance on it, on our fellow brothers and sisters, then we're in the position of being sinful. Exactly. And not putting their needs and them before our own
0: needs and
2: personal ideas of what it means and looks like.
0: And it's funny, like, you say that, and I find a lot, and this is personally, too, and as a young adult Christian living in this kind of more urban area, is that you do want to see a lot of things as black and white. Mm-hmm. So because drinking is not a sin, then it's, right, It's you can do it, right? Yeah. And you oppose that on people. But the fact is, is that it is disputable in regards to... How you drink and where you drink and all those different kinds of things. So I think you're right in saying that you have to. You, you, your freedom in Christ isn't all about what you get to do; mm-hmm. it really is in what you're able to abstain. You know, so your your freedom in Christ really does immediately affect your love for other people.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, totally. And it it's so it's so trendy right now as well. So that also like it kind of infiltrates into our culture and yeah. our Christian culture because. That's human nature is to, like, go with the trends yeah. and, and explore what's out there, you know. And and so, yeah, just, like, think being able to think critically about all the decisions we make yeah. in regards to whether it be alcohol, whether it's even what we're wearing, exactly. what we're watching, like, all of those things. The yeah. same principle applies. Exactly. This one, you know, alcohol just has the line can be so, it can be tipped so quickly. Yeah. I think that this is definitely one of the areas where it can be crossed so easily if you're not extra careful. Right. Um, But again, at the heart of it, the same principle absolutely applies to whatever we're doing.
0: That's good. And just the last thought, we aren't telling listeners to drink or not to drink. We're telling Christians, uh, including ourselves, that when it comes to areas we need to, like alcohol, we need to think critically and biblically about them. Uh, that wraps up our podcast today. If you have any more questions about the Christian and alcohol, uh, message us on our Facebook page. Tweet us. We'll get back to you for sure. And remember to check out challies.com and subscribe to his uh, daily uh, blogs. They are amazing. I really enjoy them. Well, I'm Isaac. I'm Britt. And this is The Indo Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. InDoubt is a ministry that exists to engage young people with biblical truth and provide answers for many of today's questions of life, faith, and culture. Through audio programs, articles, and blogs, Indoubt reaches out to encourage, strengthen, and disciple young adults. To check out all the resources of Indoubt, visit indoubt.ca in Canada or indoubt.com in the US. Or if you're in a position or share a passion for the ministry of young people, you can support the ongoing mission of engaging a new generation with the truth of the Bible. First, you can pray for this ministry. And second, and if you are able, please consider a financial gift by visiting indoubt.ca in Canada or indoubt.com in the U.S. Your gift of any amount is such a blessing and an answer to prayer. Thanks.